The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. From beautiful Orlando, Florida, this is Safety Wars for Tuesday, September 26, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? A lot has happened, apparently, in the political world in the last uh, 24 hours with the finding that uh, the Trump organization uh, was committing fraud. I'm not going to comment, you know, on the specific candidates, but this brings to the forefront what does it take to be a political candidate? We're going to be discussing that on tomorrow's show uh, because there's a little bit of prep time I need for that. And as everyone knows, I am at the uh, conference here in uh, Orlando this week for uh, Todd Conklin. Uh, He's having a conference, the Conklin uh, Conference, where we're going to be talking about human and organizational performance, learning teams, and some other topics. So no doubt we're going to... uh, include some of that content here and integrate it into what we're doing because we're always learning and everything else. Uh, we, and as uh, uh, what's called we need soap time, meaning we got a lot of information we're going to get in the next three days that we have to process. And I'll be sharing some of that as appropriate here. Uh, but no, integrating it into everything that we do. But in the meantime, uh, no, ultimately, let me let me backtrack one second. Ultimately, no, our theme this month, as it is always every uh, September, is disaster preparation, and we had spoken at length about disaster preparation uh, on our last show, which was Monday, yesterday, on uh, this uh, magazine that I found uh, in the checkout lane, and. Uh, I'll try to explain it to 20-somethings here. Uh, It used to be there were a lot of very uh, short-run magazines that would cover a certain topic and everything else. So, so for example, and we still see that in checkout lines, like, uh, uh, to a certain point, no, like holiday recipes or, no, spring ideas, garden ideas, uh, and it was really short. And it seems to have continued to live on to a certain degree into people who do not like to advertise what they're doing. Uh, One of those groups is the prepper groups, uh, doomsday preppers, things of that nature. Uh, But what these magazines are set up for, and uh, there's a point, right, and I wish I could use uh, copyrighted music, no royal, no. Hey, I would pay the royalties for some of the music that I would love to use for this, but we're we don't we don't do this here uh, on this program. The, the old song, right? 
should I stay or should I go here? Uh, and that goes into a lot of uh, the Doomsday Prepper movement. No, it's bugging out, getting out, going out and go, going to safety and things of that nature. And back in the 1930s, I guess it was probably the last time, 1940s, most of our American society was an agrarian society. Meaning people lived in the country, rural communities. Maybe they were not farmers, but they were certainly in rural communities and dealt with the what with what you deal with in uh, rural uh, communities. Uh, you know, you had it centered around the needs of the farmers. So, what do farmers need? Like everybody else, they need doctors, they need lawyers, they need professionals, they need all different types of stuff. Not like everything else, but it was all based on farming. Or versus now, it's more we made a transition eventually into like more of a service economy, financial stuff, consumerism, things of that nature. The car, right? The car, housing, all this other stuff that we're doing today. So why do I bring this up? In the 1930s, if you said to someone, hey, we were going to live in a, uh, 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 we're going to go camping. Everybody pretty much knew what that meant, unless you were really a city dweller. Now, you could go out there and survive in the woods, as a, f a former mentor of mine said. Uh, now, the average person would starve to death in the middle of the woods in the early spring. Uh, here, this was in uh, upstate New York, because they don't know what to eat. They have no idea. So, for the idea that we're going to be evacuating a suburban area or urban area and moving out into the country and live off the land, quote unquote, live off the land, however we define that, probably not gonna happen because one, most of the land is owned uh, by someone, private property, or it's owned by the state, the government, uh, uh, city, state, local. They may not be too obliged, especially in the more rural areas, to have people camp out in their park. In the urban areas, no, uh, people with housing in the housing crisis areas, that might happen. That that's allowed to happen up to a certain point in most areas. Not going to happen. So this is the first thing: is I'm going to bug out. Well, guess what? If you're going to bug out, where are you going to bug out to? You think the forest rangers are going to be allowed unless there's a complete societal collapse? Allow you to go down to the local state park or uh, county park or na even national park and just oh there well the whole place is shut down so we're gonna we're okay. That's not what happened during COVID. During COVID, most of these national parks, if memory serves you right, shut down. So where are you gonna go? So, the first thing I would say is probably a family member's place. And let's remember, you have to get there. Are you allowed to even drive on the roads? If you're going to do it on foot, you can probably do, uh, from what I uh, understand, now, let's say that you're the average schlub who's a little bit out of shape. And you're alone. You may be able to go 10 miles a day on foot. But now you have to carry something. You have to bring people with maybe mobility issues, family members, children, everything else along with you. Is it really going to be realistic for you to quote unquote quote, bug out somewhere? 
in a major emergency? Probably not. Unless you have somewhere to go very, very uh, that's secure, that's very uh, uh, not far away. This is where are where I always say the short-term emergencies. We're not, where are you going to go? Obviously, meeting locations, especially if you have children, in, in the case of a, a fire in your house, where are we going to meet? Uh, if there's an emergency in town, you can't get home, where are we going to go? Things of that nature. With your, and in your workplace, the emergency action plan, where are you going to meet? And again, there are OSHA regulations uh, for that in your workplace. Check it out, where they're going to go, where you need to go. Uh, with that. So, for example, you're not allowed to have an exit into a busy street, uh, right, for a building. So these things have to be uh, thought about and with some forethought on here. Uh, so that, that's the first thing. Where are you going to go? I'm all about creating relationships, getting along with people, getting along with people who think and look differently than you. It's pretty important uh, for me personally. Uh, no, different cultures. I work. I live and I work in a very multicultural area uh, of the country. Uh, different, multiple different cultures. Anyone you could be dealing with could be uh, uh, from the Far East or the Near East. Uh, could be any number of religions. I mean, we have in my town uh, predominant, uh, predominantly uh, uh, Jewish. Right in my area, a Jewish mix of Christian. I don't know what the percentages are, but uh, no, that's makes up most of my area. But we could also have Muslims, we could have uh, Hindus, we could have atheists. We have a huge Unitarian Universalist po uh, population. We have people with different ways of thinking. Uh, our politics go any way possible, and you know, we try to get along. We're for the most part, everybody gets along and uh, everything else. That's not how it is in a lot of communities. So developing those relationships with your neighbors, with your community, and I'm moving outward, very important here uh, for me. Because not only yeah, disasters, and uh, but for the national issues, right? Trying to get along with everybody. Uh, to try to develop relationships, let's say you don't have a family member or place to bug out, develop a relationship with a local farmer, uh, something like that. Maybe you could buy directly from the farmer, especially if you're in a more rural area. Right? Get to know people uh, in uh, northern New Jersey. Like, uh, surprisingly, you want to buy eggs, farm fresh eggs? You can find, uh, if you look, you can buy and find farm fresh eggs, buy them right from the producers uh, from uh, with from that smaller farms. Uh, a lot of areas of the country they have uh, you know, farm stands. Develop relationships to these folks. This way if there's a food problem, food shortage, you might be able to deal directly with them rather than what we dealt with with COVID where you go into the supermarket and not only are you out of toilet paper, but you're out of food. Right? I have pictures in my town of bare food shelves during COVID because the supply chain was disrupted with that. So which goes to show you when we talked about food, how you're going to store food and everything else last time. So whenever you hear about people bugging out, that's an issue. Now let's say that you are going to be stranded somewhere in a 
weather-related situation. So here in our town, uh, we have a lot of people who live in uh, Rockland County, Westchester County, Upper uh, New Jersey, Bergen, and that area. Now, a lot of them work in New York City or work on the road. Uh, it seems like if you don't work at home in my town, you work probably in New York City or northern New Jersey even, and they're gonna, your accountants out there are going to say, well, is there really any tax advantage of doing that? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Depends on what your situation is. See your own accountant. But So they're going to be working in the city uh, or in Westchester. And what do you have to do? You have to cross the Hudson River. During a major emergency like 9-11, they shut down all the bridges. During a weather-related emergency, a lot of these bridges and tunnels and everything else out of New York and into New York City shut down, going over the other side of the river. So a lot of people have, in these areas, a bug-out bag in their car, in their office. I'm not going to mention his name, but one of my uh, people that I deal with uh, in town, he has a... In his office, he has a tent, he has a sleeping bag, and he has a pillow, and he has like an overnight change of clothes, and uh, everything that you would need overnight in case he gets stranded in his office, and he cannot leave. His uh, boss knows about this and everything else, and oh, he also has a cot. And this is what he did was he slept overnight in uh, a couple of times when he couldn't make it home rather than drive it. And believe me, uh, when I was working over at uh, a oil facility in central New Jersey, it took me six hours to get home one night in the weather. And the reason why, well, why didn't you just go over a family member's house? Your family is in uh, central Jersey. Young kids and a young wife. <laughs> no, uh, not, uh, in a bad weather event, in an area where we typically lose power any time that the wind blows where we were living at the time in uh, Chestnut Ridge, New York. So, again, you got to make these decisions. If you're going to be stranded in your car, this is another thing. Let's say you have to spend the night in the car. That's not unheard of, especially in New Jersey, New York area, where there's a weather event and you call roads are closed. you got to spend the night in a rest area. What do you have in your car to make it through the night? What other emergency supplies are you going to need in the car? Food, medication, and everything else. So one of the things that I know when I'm going into a bad weather event, I'm going in a by car, I always pack a lunch, grab a couple of snacks, thermos of coffee, what have you. This way, if I have to hang out in the car overnight and make sure, obviously, make sure you have enough fuel. And by the way, you're electric vehicle owners. <laughs> You really got to plan this one out. What are you going to do uh, out here? But the, what's the idea? Make a plan uh, for everything that you're doing. Uh, I mean, disaster. Oh, I was talking with uh, people who were here yesterday about disaster uh, at the conference, uh, a couple of the folks. And Right, when the destructive force that we had in August 
uh, uh, end of July in New York, in my area, seven and a half inches of rain in the tub in like four or five hours. And the town of Highland Falls, New York, where I know a couple of families from church, uh, severely impacted. Homes flooded and everything else. Completely unexpectedly, that storm came out of nowhere. Nowhere as well. So, uh, going through this magazine, yeah, it takes a village. Get along with your neighbors. Find out, uh, again, uh, how big of a garden are you going to need? Oh, well, I'm going to grow my own food. Right, this is the other thing that I hear. Well, uh, best way of getting a community together, get a community garden or something like that. Okay, great. How long does it take to plant something from a seed? I bought actually one of those disaster seed vaults. They were all over the internet after 9-11. Just out of curiosity to see what there was. And since we were at a com where I had a company that uh, dealt with disaster preparation, I wanted to know what this was. What were the competitors doing and everything else? And basically, this thing was meant to be buried somewhere where they had a PVC pipe with two ends on it and you put uh, your seeds in there and they were hermetically sealed and you sealed it off on both ends and it was meant to be buried and to be weatherproof and everything else where you got to put it where you got to hide it everything things like that happen well you could grow up uh, reportedly in there there was a, up to an acre survival garden okay here's a question for you where are you going to plant let's say you're you're in an apartment building High-density housing, they'll, they'll use political, politically correct term. Where are you going to plant that? Where are you going to get your food? Most of these plants, uh, my, no, my wife and I, we uh, buy from a local nationally recognized supplier. Every spring is usually my Mother's Day uh, present for her. We buy, and I buy, uh, all of the plants. We buy little tomato plants, zucchini, blah, blah, blah. And for whatever reason, my town uh, gives out this great topsoil. For whatever reason, it does great with peppers. You know, you want to see a pepper. I mean, the pepper plants love the topsoil from uh, the town of Clarkstown. And uh, they supply it free to residents. And so we, I have an advantage out there. Well, so we plan, I have a, a 10 foot by 20 foot completely enclosed garden. I mean, top, bottom, uh, sides, right? Uh, because we have a huge groundhog problem in our neighborhood. And we, uh, no hunting in the neighborhood. So, you know, right, houses too close. So that rural area that could be taken care of. Suburban area, not gonna happen. So, we have this. You have challenges. You have animals that eat your food. You have human beings that once you get to that harvest, they'll take your food. We've uh, there have been reports, not in my town, but in other towns, where people steal things from people's gardens and everything else. Uh, there's one nationally known radio talk show host that uh, uh, he's also on Fox News who has admitted to doing this when he was uh, much younger. Uh, because his neighbors never harvested an orange tree, I think it was, and you know, went there and grabbed oranges for free. That sort of thing. So you have to worry about that. Security, uh, animals eating it, bugs. What's my point? You have a we have a 10 by 20 foot garden. 
how much is that going to produce? In reality, it's probably a week's worth of food. And if we really wanted to stretch it out, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're eating vegetables. Reportedly, from everywhere where I've read and researched, a family of four probably needs an acre and a half of land for a year's worth of food. Plus you have the issue of you just don't plant the ground and then all of a sudden it's like that Gilligan's Island episode with the radioactive seeds where everything grows in two days. No, that's not how it happens. You have to wait 90 days, 270 days, you know, in here. Plus, what time of year is it? You're not going to be planting in the fall in most environments in the United States. Unless maybe you're down south, maybe you could do that with the growing seasons, how they are. You may have a winter crop, something like that. Uh, you know, again, this is all practice, preparation, and everything else. So if you don't know what you're doing with gardening, don't think that you're going to plant a survival garden so good. Uh, as uh, 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 really serious people that started from scratch, uh, like my brother John uh, in his uh, environment or uh, another friend of mine, uh, Rob, uh, he was telling me uh, it takes roughly four to five years to get, if you're going to start from absolute scratch in New Jersey uh, and you're dealing with back with a, a clean fill, a backfill in the backyard, which is a lot of clay and everything else, you need to, it takes three or four years, maybe five years to get the correct loam for the soil and they're, to have a really productive soil and good soil. You, again, what do you do? You have a clay soil. People often cut it with uh, uh, sand and then topsoil. They add to it. Fertilizer. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Are there still fertilizer delivery guys and uh, women in, uh, rural, in urban areas? I don't know. I know people when I was growing up, they, everybody had a side business, it seemed, or at least everyone knew somebody with a side business, which was manure delivery, because there was a uh, uh, abattoir, I think that's what you name it in the neighborhood, and you'd have all the, uh, uh, they would give away manure for free there. So, uh, again, preparation here. Photos. Uh, now, no, I'm not going to talk, well, let's talk about photos. Uh, it's a minor thing, but uh, the important thing is, especially in an emergency, is to document what's going on, especially if you have to make bad decisions or you have no good decisions to make and you end up making, having to make a bad decision. Let's say that you're with a family member that has medical emergency and dies in your care. Right, uh, with that, maybe from illness, and maybe from a heart attack, stroke, what have you. It's really important that you try to document what happened. Some people use say photos or videos. I know uh, with what I went through, uh, with some of my situations, that would be probably the coldest thing to do. But uh, it's important to document what happened, when it happened, and things of that nature. Because what do you? What's going to happen? You know, the disaster will end, especially if it's a short-term disaster. And it's like, well, where's so and so? Well, he died. Oh, really? How did he die? 
And you're going to have to go and you're going to have to answer a lot of questions in there. And if you're able to document that, photos and videos, I hate to be morbid, it probably would go a good way, uh, a long way to the, uh, defending yourself and getting the story straight. Now, the last thing you want is for someone to have a situation where they die. Well, how did they die? Well, th this happened, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Well, how do we know you didn't kill the person? Or there weren't some type of nefarious situation. Something morbid to think about uh, with that. Uh, in it. Yeah. Uh, again, if, you're, you know, if your idea is that you're going to go and bug out somewhere, get some experience. I'll just say that. And realize that the whole world is filled with gadgets and everything else. And we're dealing... How about security? How, how do you like that? So with the recent Supreme Court decisions a couple years ago, uh, the uh, well, gun laws have been liberalized. Well, you could agree or disagree with that. Some people feel one way or the other way. That's not what the point is here. If you think you're going to pick up that your grandfather's pistol that from uh, 30 or 40 years ago and it's going to work, that's one thing. Do you have workable equipment? Number two, what about all the legal issues out there? You're going to be a big and tough person with a gun. Oh, oh really? Really? I don't think that... you got to really think this out. What are the laws? And the other thing is, uh, the government could suspend those laws and your rights in an emergency. If you want government aid, you want to go to a government shelter, guess what? You're not bringing that gun in here. You're not bringing that knife in here. You think you're going to walk around the streets with a machete or a baseball bat? Really? As a weapon? This is the other thing. Do you really want to advertise that you have that stuff? Any of this stuff, any of the disaster prepping stuff. So under federal law, as I understand it, the government could declare eminent domain over any of your supplies. For example, during COVID, there were people in New York City that had huge supplies of masks. So during COVID, I knew something was up when in September, all of the respiratory protection started to disappear off the internet very quietly if you wanted to order it online or the suppliers would say man son of a gun my normal supplier for respiratory equipment we don't have anything we can't get it there's a supply chain issue jim i knew that there was a problem and a couple of people had been stockpiling and i would love to know if they were just a run of the mill disaster planner right or disaster prepper or if they had some kind of forethought or pre-knowledge they decided to stockpile lots of equipment huge amounts of equipment out there well what happened they got seized because they're price gouging and the government uh, has the authority I believe they exercised it in a couple of cases uh, to declare eminent domain over that type of situation over your emergency supplies. So I'm not saying do things and don't share it with the community or your small group of friends, but if it's well known that you're a doomsday prepper and you've got all this stuff, 
two things. One, the government may realize the government may come in season in a real big emergency. Right, we just mentioned an example. The second thing is this. Hey, I know uh, Frank, right? That's our person here. We always talk about Frank always does everything, right? Frank has accidents. Frank does this. Frank does that. Well, Frank, we know, has a huge supply. He's a doomsday prepper. And you should see his garage. He has all this water for a month and food for a month. And he's showing it off to everybody. And he has uh, uh, no, uh, oh, anything that you may need. He even has matches. He, the man must have 5,000 matches in his garage. Which are probably over a portable quantity. may be illegal in itself. Right, to have that many matches in your house uh, because of fire hazard issues. And you have all this other stuff going on. Well, there's an emergency. Where are they going to? Whose house are they going to? They're going to Frank's house. Uh, you know, it's something to think about, something to consider with all this uh, stuff. And I've covered a lot of material in the last two programs. Uh, we're going to. Uh, uh, let's see what else we have to talk about here. So how do we assemble a quote-unquote bug-out bag? What should you have here? And if you go into the uh, Cub Scout or Boy Scout manual, they'll, if you have a Boy Scout or Cub Scout in your, or we're not allowed to say that, Scout in your, uh, in your, uh, uh, in your, uh, group of people, you have the manual, photocopy it from a couple of pages. What are you going to need? Uh, so these are some necessities that they always say. Uh, number one, a fixed blade knife. The other thing is this. Do you know how to use a knife? A lot of people, guess what, don't know how to use knives. Uh, uh, part of scouting is that there is an actual uh, uh, one of my uh, 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 people I deal with, he teaches this knife, knife safety and knives, right? So you have a fixed blade knife, uh, a good one of some quality, a uh, disposable lighter, something real simple, a lighter, right? easy to operate, one that's going to last a while too, not uh, because I, we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of lighters out there and well, smokers that I know complain about the lighters don't last as long nowadays. Uh, I would include matches maybe with that, but lighter definitely. Uh, a mini first aid kit, a water purification straw, that's what people say, uh, to purify water or some way to purify water. A tarpaulin, meaning a cover uh, with that. Uh, a uh, snacks, shelf stable snacks with no long expiration dates, easy to eat. Uh, some water and a way to get water, filter water, things of that nature, like uh, some uh, food. Three days worth of food you can probably carry. You're not going to be eating your Thanksgiving dinner every night, but you can probably hold that. Some type of cordage. Uh, some other things, uh, and that's usually the basic things that they say that, you know, what they say. Something else. Map of the area. Compass. Some type of signaling device, usually a, a compass has like a mirror or something like that in that. Uh, again, where are you going to sleep? So maybe sleeping bag, thing, everything that you need. And all this stuff is available on uh, the internet, various sources, various quality. 
you're gonna have to carry this around okay is it gonna be on your back or maybe some type of a uh, uh, even a suitcase if I had to do it I'd grab a suitcase probably with wheels so now I could drag it around and you have a couple of uh, options with suitcases now the plastic ones you can probably get a uh, that are water resistant or one of the you know uh, no there are, are other water type uh, options there that run the mill very expensive to very inexpensive maybe you can get it used uh, no how are you gonna carry it around transportation bicycle foot if you have a bicycle does everybody in your group have a bicycle? Uh, do, you, or do you have a trailer for your bicycle? Do you have an industrial tricycle you could use? Uh, now with the e-bikes, this is one of the things. You can have a trailer and trailer it around. All that stuff, you know, it's great. You have your options. But what's the idea? Is to always plan things out, what you are doing. And um, that's pretty much where I wanted to go with this uh, today. Uh, any of your questions, again, we do safety training. We'll talk to your group about disaster preparation. I'll do that, no problem. We get first aid CPR courses. Give us a call, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywars.com. And for Safety Wars, until next time, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.